Welcome to a life well lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette, CPM Certified Portfolio Manager and founder of Orca Wealth Management. In this podcast, he will provide some clarity in setting goals needed to build, preserve, and transfer wealth and overcome some of life's financial obstacles. Ken provides actionable steps to help you plan through your financial ups and downs in a way everyone can understand. Join us on this journey where Ken will explore many financial avenues, drawing from his three decades of experience in helping others avoid risking a lifetime's worth of work and savings by not having a plan and a strategy in place. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to A Life Well Lived with Ken Olette. Ken, how are you? I can't really even, even start to begin to tell you how good I'm doing right now. Oh, that could be an entire podcast. How good is Ken doing? <laughs> it is. We are four days away from the children going back to school. Oh, nice. That's it always is. something to look forward to. Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to it for, I don't know, about two months now. <laughs> so. <laughs> we won't say what that two months represents, but that's all summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I no, got that... four kids, the full spectrum from 12 to, to 17. And um, let me tell you, it's laborsome. When, yeah. you, when you come home and they're just finding stuff for them to do, it's uh, it, it's a chore amongst itself. Yeah, no, and it's good to good to have school get back into a regular routine. We we like that. We Amen. like that. Yes, sir. And I, I like today's topic. I'm 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 uh, very very interested in kind of what your title is. You said, "Why doesn't my financial advisor do that?" And 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 so we're going to cover some different areas that you're saying that a financial advisor needs to do, needs to provide for you, and uh, there's a lot of them that don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and, and this is, you know, I've come, come to this conclusion through the years that I've done the business that sometimes you will say, Hey, well, we can do that. And they're like, Whoa, I had no idea. And, you know, we try to do a pretty good job of putting it in our websites and put it in the newsletters. And then oftentimes clients really think that, uh, you know, they think of you as managing money, doing those things, sometimes cursory financial plans, but they don't really know the full depth of everything that we can provide and do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all inclusive. It's not, it's not as if, um, when you go to the doctor, you see the, the main physician and then he parcels you off to somebody else and then they get a fee and it, no, it's all inclusive. So these are things that I, I encourage clients to take advantage of and they, they can't take advantage of it unless they know that it's available. So that's, that's kind of why I wanted to, to do this topic. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've got six different areas that we're going to cover today. Um, let's get started. All right, let's go. All right. What's number one? What's the first area? Uh, retirement planning. So, you know, this is kind of a given, right? But uh, because it fits in with the financial plans that most do, but retirement planning is a niche in it amongst, in amongst itself. It's before you retire, you want to do the planning, of course. And then when you're retired, you want to keep reviewing that plan to make sure it's on track. So, uh, you know, outside of the management of the money, obviously, you want to use the re- plan, the retirement plan, the financial plan to make sure the money is fitting that plan. Yeah. And then I can speak to this just a little bit because um, when my wife and I left some employment, we had to roll our 401k over into a, a an IRA, right? Mm-hmm. And there was somebody that was suggested to us. We didn't, this was way back in the day, didn't do any research, didn't look into anything. It, it was just rolled over into this guy. And that's, that's all I'll say about who he is or what company he represents, but it wasn't retirement planning. There wasn't right. planning at all. It was the money's here. It's going to sit here. And he would check in like once a year, how you doing? 
doing fine. Okay, good. Yeah. Your accounts are still here. <laughs> that was it, man. There was no, wow. Hey, what do you want to do in the next 10 years? Hey, what do you got planned for the next, you know, five years? Are you have any big expenses coming up? Do you want to contribute more to this? Do you want to you know, nothing? It was just like, okay, they're here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, have a conversation with a client just a couple of days ago. Um, they're planning to retire. Want to do it at the end of the year. And, and we, we talked to, you know, he really going through the data and, and I really, from, from doing this for years, there's, it's an art and a science retirement planning. There's a lot of art to it. So I'll give you an example. So back in the day, you, you used to hear that um, it was common law on all the financial press and um, you know, the, the mutual fund companies, they would say, well, kind of allocate about 80% of what you're earning now for what you will spend in retirement. Well, what I found was through the years was when people get accustomed, they get an equilibrium of spending, it doesn't change when they retire. So if they're spending 150000 a year now, they're not going to spend 80% of that in retirement. They're going to spend about 100% of that in retirement. They might, they might come off it a little bit um, the first two or three, but that equilibrium will settle in. They'll find ways to go right back to that 150. And it works both ways. So if you have a client that has an overabundance of assets and they only spend 150 and they really could spend 250, they're not going to go to typically the 250 level. They're going to stay at that 150. And conversely, if you have somebody that's you know used to to making the 150, but their assets don't support the 150, they're not going to go down to 120 um, yeah. in retirement. And and they they can, but it's not going to be uh, comfortable. Let's put it that way. Well, yeah. I mean, it, people, I've, I've heard it before. Well, you're not going to commute anymore, right? You're not going to spend the gas money anymore. You're not going to put as much wear and tear on your vehicle. So you're saving money in all these different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you're sitting at home yeah. doing nothing, right? Either that, or you're actually going to go out and maybe take some trips, which are going to be more expensive than you normally do. Precisely. Or you're going to go out to lunch more often because you know, you're sitting at home and Hey, let's go grab a bite with so-and-so and so-and-so because you don't have work to go to. Right. Right. So, right. I think it's more of a trade-off than anything. It's not like you're going to save money by not working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this would be a really just a disastrous job if all we had to do was <laughs> tell people, hey, you know, you're going to sit at home and you can't travel and you can't do these things, but your financial and retirement plan will be very, very, very sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, 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 we expect and we want and we hope and we plan for having a vibrant, active retirement. And that, and that brings you know most financial advisors that do this job correctly a lot of joy yeah. um, in seeing that. Yeah. Can't imagine trying to tell somebody, hey, at four o'clock in the afternoon, you just need to turn all your lights off. Yeah. That's your retirement plan. Yeah. Yeah. Four o'clock, shut it down, wake up the next morning, and you're good to go for the next seven hours. You know, And if you don't mind, <laughs> turn the air up to around 75, 76 <laughs> degrees. I know it's, it's hot, but uh, you know, just will really help out the plan a lot. That, yeah, that doesn't go over well. Yeah, I don't think so. All right, what's number two? What's the second thing on your list? Estate planning. Um, a lot of a lot of folks don't they 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 just don't think about estate planning for you know for various obvious reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Because it uh, it's dealing with mortality. But what I've found in my career, uh, w- without question, one of the largest gotchas is lack of estate planning because it ends up having to be done at the last second when uh, they're least able to do it. And, um, it just, it can become an issue of how those, those assets are disseminated, um, on the most efficient process 
tax wise and and to who they're who they want to receive those funds. And so, you know, I can give you countless examples of that um, that are horror stories that I've seen. Um, I can elaborate if you want me to. Yeah, God. Yeah. Well, give us just one example and and you know how it can be avoided. Well, I'll give you two if uh, if I if I may. So yeah. Just because they're two startlingly different ones, but the the outcomes were the same. So, I had one client that died in Massachusetts. They didn't have a written will. They had everything in single name. Um, for some reason, they just um, didn't get around to to the financial planning side um, and the retirement planning. And this is prior to me getting them. Okay, so I got them after the the husband passed away. I got the wife, and um, she was a secretary. Didn't really know how much her husband had. Well, it ended up he had three million dollars of a Lockheed Martin stock. It was in single mm-hmm. name, his name, and in Massachusetts law. Uh, blood was greater than marriage. So they had one of these, these, you know, nephews that, um, you know, the horse story didn't work kind of was just taken, would take handouts from anybody that would give it. And they never wanted to really work. Well, he, he was entitled to these funds. Um, yeah. And so that was, that was something we had to deal with that she had to deal with. And, um, and she had to, to give up those, those funds in that, in that process. And then another one we had, we had an individual that, um, and, and this is something that I'm seeing here, here, here recently. And I, I don't know what the, it, you know, I always have a little bit of a, you know, a conspiracy theorist on this, but I'm seeing a lot of estate planning attorneys not want to do living trusts for clients. And a living hmm. trust for for the listener out there, it basically says you you take your assets, you put it into a trust that's separate from you, but you control it. You can put things into it, take things out of it, but it, it is separate from you and it distributes the assets without any probate, any attorneys involved, anything. It's just very, very simple. So what we're seeing now is a lot of, I am foreseeing, I'll send clients to estate planning attorneys or, or talk to their estate planning. Oh, no, no, they don't need um, a trust, they can do it with a will or, or a um, transfer on death. And so what that invariably leads to is the attorney being involved after death. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to cast a pall over all attorneys, but if they set up the document, it costs about $1,500 one-time fee. If it goes to a TOD or probate, they collect a fee to, to go through the estate planning process. So you know, sometimes you got to follow the money a little bit. And um, it just, for some reason, I'm not seeing uh, a lot of these estate planning attorneys want to do trust right off the, right, right off the bat. So it, well, I had a client, same situation, did a TOD account off of the uh, advice of his counsel. Um, I advised him that he needed a trust. You know, I wouldn't, um, I don't think a TOD is, is satisfactory. He went ahead and, and stayed with the TOD because that's what his attorney said. Invariably, he had 12 different charities. They didn't have kids. The TOD was contested. The attorney was on. Um, we had to pay fees to the attorney for two years to settle that con- that, that 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 trust being contested, that non-trust being contested. So, long story short, get a trust if yeah. you have any type of assets whatsoever. Uh, you utilize a trust. It is is foolproof, and that is something that I think that uh, the estate planning process needs to be needs to be brought up in. Yeah. That's, those are terrible stories. Yeah. I need to share them for sure. Because I mean, the people didn't understand, but man, that's, that's heartbreaking when something like that happens. Um, yeah, it's heartbreaking because you know, the client, you know, what the client's wishes were. Yeah. And, 
they're not being fulfilled and they're dictated by somebody else versus yeah. what the client dictate. That's the heartbreaking part. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What's number three? Tax management. Oh, okay. So, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of individuals out there don't think of their financial advisor as doing tax management. Well, the most important thing in the client advisor relationship is after tax return. Right. So how much money is actually in my pocket at the end of the day? So if all we're doing is buying growth mutual funds that have high turnover and create large taxable gains that we have to pay at the end of the year, those those are gonna those are costs that we have to pay. They're a tax. And so we want to try to manage the 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 profits and the losses so that way we have as negligible as a taxable gain as possible at the end of the year, because that's going to mean more in the investor's pocket. So it's part of the balance sheet that we manage. And uh, a lot of a lot of clients don't really understand that part and don't know that their advisors can, can have a hand in that. Yeah. And then again, you don't know what you don't know, right? I mean, that's why you're doing this podcast. You, you, you love the education process. We spoke about that on your, even your very, very first podcast. Mm-hmm. This is why you do this. And so I, the problem is, is that I, the client, we don't know what questions to ask, right? And so that's, I, I love the fact that you're doing this. So thank you for that. Because um, we just don't know, right? Right. Uh, how about number four? Education funding. Okay. So you know, oftentimes they don't realize that, uh, or it's not brought up early enough. So mm-hmm. they, you know, via a client relationship, financial advisor to client, we try to nudge the grandparents uh, to gift and to maybe set up 529 plans or, or to help in the prepaid college process. So oftentimes what, what grandparents used to do is they would you know, send, a, send a card with money in it. You know, we've seen a lot mm-hmm. of that. I mean, I, you know, I was a beneficiary of a lot of that. So now what we do is we encourage, we encourage the grandparents to perhaps, instead of giving, giving gifts like that, um, maybe get gifts to the 529 plan to help fund, fund educational costs. And so, you know, education's in the news right now because they're forgiving loans and stuff. We probably can't expect that going forward. Yeah. So we probably need to plan. Well, I, I like the, the, how you started this one off is that, you know, a lot of advisors aren't talking about this in time. You know, they're they're probably just sitting back waiting for their client to ask them questions. And and a lot of clients, I'll be honest, a lot of a lot of even friends that that I've grown up with and known as an adults and, and they've had kids, is their their question is, well, is my kid gonna go to college? Well, I, I don't know that. So I'm gonna wait until they decide what they want to do at 16 or 17 years old, and then we're gonna figure out how to fund college. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little late. <laughs> nightmare, nightmare scenario when it's right. what is it, thirty to forty thousand dollars a year? Yeah, yeah. So costs. So there's there's all sorts of ways to skin that cat, and that's I love the fact that you're talking about that early. So that's great. Yeah, and a lot of times advisors don't don't really tackle the issue because there's there's typically not a lot of money in it for the advisor because they're smaller accounts, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're approaching grandma and grandpa and and suggesting these type of, uh, these type of plans, they're, they really, they start out very, very small. So it it might, it might even in the initial five, six, seven years, it'll be a net loss to the practice because they'll manage those monies and, and they're just not very, very large accounts. So it really makes it, um, so I don't want to sound um, 
like like the advisors don't do it because they they're just the money but it it's they don't think about it because it's not a real profit center to most practices let's put it that way mm-hmm. yeah well that's just the truth of the matter i mean yeah so all right fifth area what's the fifth area for risk management and this is a biggie um this is one that that i think that we do very very well and most advisors do this very, very poorly. Um, that is, that is basically not many people think about risk management in in good markets, but they they think about them in bad markets. So I think a lot of people are starting to think about it now. And risk management is just trying to manage your portfolio so you don't take an extended downturn that will blow up your financial plan. That's that's really it in a nutshell. Yeah. So let's dive into that a little bit deeper. I mean, when, when you're talking risk management, define that more for me, would you? Well, when I first started there, there was, there was a thing put out by capital group that really, really, uh, made a big impression on me. And so I've always, I've always tried to, to give this to clients, but it it had this chart and said, if you made 10% the first year, 10% the second year, 10% the third year, you've averaged 10%, right? Pretty easy math. Yeah. Well, if you lost 10% in the fourth year, your average annual return went down to 3.3%. So, yeah. So the whole rule of thumb was don't take a large loss just because the losses can in one year can upset all three years worth of gains. And a lot of people get caught up in that. They they just think, well, well, I've averaged, you know, 10% for three years. How can that math work? Well, you can put pen to paper to it. It's the math. So I always try to get clients to think about that when we're at the top of a market, when maybe we're giving up some upside return because we're trying to protect that downside because we do not want it to upset the overall return of the portfolio. And that's critical. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I I just had a flashback of when I was much, much younger. My dad was talking to me about this, about you know, he, he was not a stock market guru or anything like that, but he was talking about the double whammy in the math of of gain and loss. Yeah. Right. And he was telling me, so, so he said, he explained it super simple to me. If you have $100,000 and you gain 50%, right, you, you, you're you at $150,000, right? Mm-hmm. And you do the math. Okay. And then you lose 50%. You're at 75. Right. Wait a second. We, I gained 50 and I lost 50. How is it possible? Where did that other 25 go? Right. It's the percentage <laughs> thing. So then he, then he told me, he goes, but here's the worst part. Let's take that same $100,000. If you lose 50%, you're down to 50,000. If you gain 50%, you're at 75. You're right. still at 75. You're just like, wait, 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 wait. How is this magic working? Because it's, it's, it's negative both ways. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, that's exactly how it is. And, and I think you and I were actually talking about it on a podcast before where you, you kind of gave me the same scenario where you said, you lose 50%. How much do you need to gain to get back to where you were? It's a hundred percent. You know, you right. got you got to double it. Yeah. It's so math is not friendly when it comes to the situation at all. Yeah. It just needs to be managed. And, yeah. and that's why you know, study after study, Cirilli used to put out one of these studies where they would study the average annual return of the average investor. Um, minus an, an an advisor, and it was pathetically low. It was yeah. two to three percent people that were trying to do it themselves, and the reason was is because they were doing the wrong things at the wrong time, buying at the high, yeah. and at the low they were selling, and so they repeated this process over and over and over again. And so all we do is try to up uh, just 
disrupt that pattern. Um, and it's not, and that's, and that's really the risk management side of it. It's just not, not doing something at the wrong time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, as we round out this podcast, we're on number six. What is number six? Now the other one's kind of, kind of a broad bucket, but it's personal financial decisions, right? So we always tell our clients anything to do with money, please you know, run it by us, bounce it off us. Let's see if we can enhance the situation somehow, some way. You don't, you're not in this business for three decades without building relationships with people, whether it be mortgage brokers, estate planning attorneys, uh, lenders, uh, anything to do with, with, with financial matters. I've got somebody that I can go to and I can ask, Hey, you know, they're, they're looking at doing this. Does, does this look right? Um, is there anything that, that we should be aware of here? Is this the best that they could possibly do? You know, we, I can tell you, we've negotiated car leases for clients. I've negotiated mm-hmm. new purchases of boats. I mean, this is all included in the fee, right? This is all well, what you get with dealing with wow. uh, a financial advisor. So anything to do with, with money, our clients are, are pretty good about calling us and asking, what do you think here? I could have used you in 2008. <laughs> I, I think you and I've talked off air about this, but um, I leased a minivan. Oh boy. That was a terrible decision. Yeah, it can't be. Yeah. Well, gotta- it, w- it wouldn't have been so bad, honestly, and I'm not justifying it, but it wouldn't have been so bad except for that we blew our budget out of the water. Right. It yeah. was, it was one of those things where we didn't take a no man. Right. And, and, and for the audience, if you don't, if you haven't heard that term before you take somebody with you that tells you no. Right. You take a buddy with you that has no emotional investment into this and you go there here, here's my budget. This is what I want to spend. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the salesman's talking you up a hundred bucks a month and, and your buddy is there to say, no, dude, no, you, you, you told me what your budget is. No, no, <laughs> you can't do it. Let's walk away. Come on. Yep. Let's, let's get off the lot. No, see my wife and I went, uh, and our budget was 400 bucks a month. Um, and we said, you know, we can do this. We want to lease a minivan. We walked out of there with a minivan with three TVs. Um, <laughs> it, it had a, it had a, uh, not stow and go seating. It had a, um, uh, the, the seating where it had a table that you could put up in the middle swivel and go. That's what it was called. So then the table would sit there. The chairs would swivel around so you could sit and eat in your van. Who does that? Yeah. <laughs> but so we walked out of there with a lease of 640 a month. <laughs> It was a terrible, well, I, I hope you're eating dinner two or three times a week in that van. Seriously. Right. At, at that point we couldn't afford to eat dinner. So <laughs> it's, it's, everybody eat big lunch. Cause we're not having anything for dinner. Yeah. Who, who sits on the side of the road eating in a van? Anyway. Yeah. I mean, some of these things have been over the years have been rather large. I mean, we've, we vetted people that wanted to, um, you know, hire a contractor or something or, or a builder and just, sometimes said, well, maybe you should think about that. You may maybe, maybe wait on that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we find out later that the uh, builder went out of business and didn't build the homes. You know, uh, mm. there's just been several, several situations where we've been maybe the devil's advocate or a place of pause, which, you know, some of these are never going to, going to be in our performance numbers. Right. But, um, they've made a huge bit of performance to the client's overall financial worth. And yeah. I think that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, that's great. Well, as we wrap up today's podcast, uh, you, you've covered the six, what closing thoughts do you have for today? Well, I think you, you know, if you're working with somebody currently ask them if they provide these activities and then, mm. and then if they say yes, go, how come we're not doing it? <laughs> it would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and get them more engaged to provide these activities. If you're not getting the good answer that you want, 
from your current financial advisor, you know, call us when we'll, um, we'll be able to provide some of these answers for you. Yeah. And, and you've said before that you'll take a second look because they may have an advisor that they really like and that does, you know, quite a few of these, if not all of them, mm-hmm. uh, but it's always good to get a second set of eyes on something just to make sure that things are going the way they should. No doubt. I yeah. agree completely. All right. So how do they reach you? Well, you can always be reached by our website, which we've completely rebuilt and revamped, and it looks uh, yeah, it looks looks pretty good. So it, it is orcawealth.com. So that's orcawealth.com. That's the best place to, to go because it gives current information. It actually has these podcasts front and center, so you can download those pretty easy. Um, and it gives all six of these pieces of information that we provide um, right there on the webpage. So that's the best place, or of course, by phone, 727 938 one six zero zero seven two seven nine three eight one six zero zero. All right, Ken. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's always I enjoyed it. Yeah, enjoyable. I, I love learning from you and, and and hearing new information. So thank you again. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to a life well lived with Ken Alette, founder of Orca Wealth Management. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Ken comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this does actually help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Orca Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to A Life Well Lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Kinolet CPM. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Orca Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Orca Wealth Management, LLC does not provide legal or tax advice. Clients should seek the advice of a qualified attorney or accountant as necessary.